The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, ACB Reports for July 2008 will be devoted entirely to a chat with Eric Bridges, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. The following interview originally aired on Tuesday Topics a weekly program hosted by Paul Edwards and heard each Tuesday on ACB Radio Mainstream. This edited segment of the interview with Eric Bridges is used here with appropriate permissions. Here's Paul Edwards. Maybe you can begin by giving us a kind of a recap of what the legislative issues that concerned ACB at our legislative seminar earlier this year were. There were three legislative imperatives that we brought to the members and frankly that the members had brought to us either through uh, the lack of legislation, the lack of regulatory assistance from the federal government or from the actual resolution process at the national convention. And those three issues were and are the web accessibility issue and the lack of, I guess, clarity within the ADA of web accessibility and its applicability to the ADA under Title III. The second issue deals with draft legislation concerning the accessibility or lack thereof of consumer electronics. And then the third issue is uh, one that is uh, quickly becoming a real page-turner in different publications, and that is the prevalence of hybrid vehicles and their overall danger that they can bring to folks who are blind or other pedestrians. Those are the three issues that we brought to the legislative seminar to the membership, and those are the primary issues that we are continuing to work on in the national office and on the Hill. There's been uh, quite a bit of progress on a couple of these issues. I'm pleased to report that it looks like the draft legislation, which was brought by the Coalition of Organizations for Accessible Technology, of which ACB is a founding member, uh, looks like that that draft legislation is actually going to become introduced legislation. With That's really pretty exciting. So let's talk about that first. CODE is an organization that stands for the Coalition on Accessible Technology and includes uh, lots of organizations like the American Foundation for the Blind and uh, ACB and a number of other organizations, including some affiliates, I think, of ACB are also members. Some of us actually got an opportunity to hear a little bit more about this legislation because of some hearings that were held but perhaps you can give us a little bit more detail on exactly what the bill number might be and also how much we think it's likely to include. I am not sure what the bill number will be um, because I'm not sure what day it will be introduced. What I can say is that this process has been really quite amazing. Um, it started on December 21st of last year with the House Energy and Commerce Committee releasing publicly the draft legislation so that the disability community and industry could begin negotiating. We as COAT actively sought out individual organizations such as Verizon and AT&T, but also trade associations like the cell phone industry, CTIA, NCTA, the National Cable Television Association, 
TIA, ITI, an alphabet soup of trade associations within the consumer electronics industry or IT industry. During this time, we were continuing to work with House Energy and Commerce staff to make changes to the draft legislation. In mid-April, we were notified by the Energy and Commerce Committee staff that there would be a hearing held on this draft legislation. They were seeking to have a blind individual testify. What they wanted, ideally, was a, a blinded veteran. And uh, there were some concerns, I have to say, from me, because they were looking to me and the ACB membership to provide a witness. Um, the concern that I had was, I don't know how to delicately put this, but that they were looking for someone who had a bit of a sob story or an axe to grind, aside from just being blind, you know, also being a veteran and, and all of that. So what I told them was that I was absolutely willing to get them a very qualified and interesting person to testify, and that's what I did. It wasn't just me. It was through the help of the ACB membership that we located Sergeant Major Jesse Acosta, who did the California Council of the Blind very proud, and, and more than that, he did ACB proud, and he did the blindness community proud by uh, his very frank and honest remarks during that hearing. Um, he stole the show, uh, it was fair to say, and it was quite a show. Uh, a first-round draft choice of the Atlanta Falcons, Jamal Anderson, was one of the people that testified from the hearing loss community. Russell Harvard, who is an actor who is in uh, There Will Be Blood, testified, and others. And uh, it just so happened that Sergeant Major Acosta was the last person on that panel to testify and really pulled no punches, was very honest. It was kind of neat to see the reactions of the House members as they were kind of at one point fighting to ask him questions, which was great. The intent of that hearing was to soften the ground. By that, I mean to bring this from a theoretical sort of uh, uh, draft that may, you know, at some point in the next three years have a life to saying this is going to become a reality, this is going to become a real bill. And the other part of the softening that I'm referring to is the minority side, the Republican side, to have them on record as being in support of this. And uh, they absolutely were, as a matter of fact. The ranking member, uh, Congressman Cliff Stearns from Florida, at one point used the phrase, Congress has the hammer when referring to <laughs> industry. So it was, it was a pretty remarkable day, Paul. That hearing happened early in May, and so over the, the last month, I assume there was then continuing discussion over what the shape this bill ought to take. And I don't know if it would um, violate any protocols, but maybe you could tell us uh, what some of the issues that people were discussing were without even necessarily telling us who took which side. What were some of the areas of, oh, I don't know if I want to use the word dispute, that prevented the bill from making its appearance sooner? Well, I think the primary part of this draft legislation that gives everybody in industry and some on the Republican side of the aisle heartburn is the private right of action that's included. And that was made abundantly clear during the hearing as well. We are not backing down from that. That will be in any introduced piece of legislation. I want to make it this clear, and I realize I'm probably preaching to the choir in the audience, but 
because we're introducing this does not mean that it's going to pass necessarily this year. As you all know, it's an election year. The legislative calendar is extraordinarily compressed, and Congress is not going to be working five-day weeks. In fact, they may not even be working four-day weeks during some weeks, and they'll be gone at the end of September. So this is to say that by introducing this bill, it's a big step forward. It gives us a starting place for next year. Should this not move, um, th this bill will not pass the Senate this year. Uh, the private right of action, Paul, and then there were just some other things that, you know, the industry doesn't want to have to report on and they feel can be burdensome. I don't really want to get into specifics because, again, this is actually uh, still a fluid situation. Just to make sure that everybody understands, private right of action means that an individual, should he or she choose, could not just file complaints, but actually would be explicitly given the right to seek redress of issues by going directly to the court system. This bill will incorporate a number of things that are of interest to ACB. There are three what I would call big chunks in this uh, draft legislation. The first one is dealing with audible emergency information. That would be the, the emergency crawls that go across the bottom of your TV screen where you hear the audible noises and then you don't hear anything. Those would be you know, spoken through some sort of synthesized type speech so that you would know as well as anybody else what is occurring. The second big chunk of this deals with video description and restoring the video description mandate for the digital era. Restoring it back to its days when it was a mandate, but ensuring that folks can have the same access to video description within digital TV. The third big chunk deals with accessible user interfaces. It deals with the accessibility or lack thereof of consumer electronics, uh, the on-screen menus that we cannot independently access in order to record something through DVR or TiVo in order to actually, ironically enough, Paul, access theoretically the video description function. or to be able to uh, look at navigational program guides to see uh, what time the Red Sox game's on or, or what time the Cub game's on and what channel it will be on. All of that would be roughly the same sort of technology as the audible emergency information. It would be theoretically something that you could activate and then be able to move up and down like everyone else does, only it would be spoken. The different selections uh, in the menus would be spoken so that you could independently make settings changes to your TV or to your stereo or to your DVR. Along with that is another piece that deals with 255 and cell phones, and that is having accessible cell phones. I guess we'll just put it that way. Now you have a very limited array of phones to choose from, and they're actually the most expensive phones out there that you have to choose from because then once you buy that phone, you have to go out and buy mobile speak or talks to load onto it, which costs even more money. So what we want is for those PDAs out there that use a radio spectrum or wireless, like a BlackBerry or a Palm, to be accessible to people who are blind. No, we don't think that that's too much to ask, obviously. So those are the pieces of this. Let's uh, look at uh, 
what's happened in the field of hybrid cars since February. At that point, there was some talk of getting some legislation introduced. Um, did we manage to do that? Indirectly, yes, we did. H.R. 5734, which is also known as the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act of 2008, was introduced in early April. This particular piece of legislation included essentially the backbone of what it was that we had been proposing, our draft legislative language. And really the key to this piece of legislation is to say that the Department of Transportation needs to do a study concerning minimum sound emissions that hybrid vehicles need to make so that blind or visually impaired individuals can independently identify them in their various states. This particular bill has around 40 co-sponsors, which is good. The uh, chief sponsor, Congressman Ed Towns of New York, and the Republican sponsor, which is Congressman Cliff Stearns of Florida, have written letters to the chairman and ranking member of the full committee calling for hearings. They are awaiting a response from Mr. Dingell the chairman of the committee to see whether or not there will be a full committee hearing or a subcommittee hearing to look at this issue. Excellent. So we're making good progress there. And what about when is a web page a covered entity under the ADA? Has there been any movement with regard to that issue, the third priority that we took to Congress in February? This issue has been the biggest singular challenge that I have had. Actually, a large part of this challenge relates directly to the ADA Restoration Act, which I'm sure all of you have, have heard was introduced in the House and in the Senate in July of last year. And the disability community is still sort of rustling with this. It's called the ADA Restoration Act, but it's not a true restoration. It's looking at one part of the ADA. And no one on the Hill, how do I put this diplomatically, has the desire right now to take up another ADA bill and try and move it. There is, I think, Paul, a lot of research that needs to be undertaken concerning web accessibility as it pertains particularly to e-commerce sites. There's research out there that I believe needs to be done by an outside entity. And to that end, we have approached the National Council on Disability and uh, had a productive meeting, and you all are aware that John Vaughn, who's a member of ACB, is the chairperson of, of NCD, and uh, I think we were met very favorably. This is an issue that is, at times, hard to wrap your arms around. There are a couple of different ways of looking at web accessibility. There is the e-commerce aspect of it, and then there is the web in general. The folks that I've spoken with on uh, the House Judiciary Committee want to try and help us, but they tell us that we need to have some kind of research and or backing concerning this issue before they can move it forward. It's a great challenge, and, and they are aware of, of what's gone on with the target lawsuit. They are sympathetic, but the climate right now is not real good for getting anything introduced or moving. However, please be aware that this is an issue that is on both the House Education and Labor Committee and the House Judiciary Committee's radar and is going to be something that we will continue to talk with them about as we continue our discussions with NCD as well. 
I think most of us are aware that there was a decision made by the Court of Appeals uh, in uh, the D.C. Circuit concerning currency that essentially upheld ACB's position, and I think everybody recognizes that. But I think it might be helpful to folks if you would tell us what is supposed to happen now. Well, from the date of the ruling, the Department of Treasury had 45 days to essentially make up their mind as to how they wanted to proceed. Uh, there's really three options that they've got. They could appeal to the full Court of Appeals, they could appeal to the Supreme Court, or they could go back to district court, and uh, we could uh, chat with them there. In essence, they could say, okay, fine, let's sit down and, and uh, hash this out. Those are the three options that they have. I would you know, hesitate with my ACB hat on to tell you what I think they'll do. I would suspect that they would probably appeal in some form, just an educated guess. but. We are now 2-0, and and they are now 0-2, which is uh, very significant. And this ruling has garnered us a lot of very positive press over the last couple of weeks, including uh, a favorable editorial in the New York Times and various publications picking up this story and uh, national coverage on ABC World News Tonight and CBS Radio News. So... We are out there. Um, we are viewed, I think, very positively within the rest of the country. I think we've come across as very rational and reasonable throughout this whole process. This is Brian from Watertown, Massachusetts. I've been an avid viewer of audio-described movies. In the uh, Marty bill, is there discussion about whether or not accessibility ought to be built into the DVD or built into the DVD player? This particular piece of legislation is looking at the consumer electronics. So the, it would be, in this instance, the DVD player and the DVR and the cable box and the TV. Here again, kind of focusing on the Communications Act and uh, looking at, uh, you know, in terms of video description, it would be dealing with, you know, broadcast TV. Our hope for this legislation when it's passed is that you'll be able to turn on your TV, activate this accessible feature, go through your menu, and find the video description function and activate it, and then enjoy. Has ACB been looking at all at the websites of current presidential candidates to see the degree to which their websites feature disability issues or have any of the presidential candidates published major disability-related manifestos that we ought to pay attention to? Paul, I'm not certain about a major uh, policy paper of anything of, of that sort, but I, I do know that Senator Obama has had a link on his site concerning people with disabilities. I uh, have to say that I have not looked at the candidates' websites in probably two or three months now, but I'm quite certain that Senator Clinton or Senator McCain didn't have anything, at least on their front page, dealing with disability issues. I can tell you that all of their websites were usable, which is good. Do we know of any plans that the disability community in Washington, D.C. is making at the moment to ask candidates to perhaps look at some specific issues? 
I do know that in July in Ohio, and I, I believe it's Columbus, there are several disability groups that are sponsoring a candidates forum. AAPD is, I believe, the chief disability organization that is putting this on. So we'll see who attends. I do know that the disability community on a broader scale has reached out on occasion to Senator Obama, and some of his staff have met with some folks in the disability community, but I, nothing meaningful has been done or negotiated or taken place. I, I hesitate to even bring this up, so I'm just going to talk in generalities. There may be an opportunity for ACB to play a role in one, if not both, of the Democratic or Republican national conventions. So uh, stay tuned. There's nothing set, but there are discussions that are ongoing. The other hot-button issue, I guess, that's been around for the last several years for many of us is the whole issue of voting. Has anything come out of the legislature this year with regard to voting that we either need to be concerned about or pleased about? I would say nothing that's uh, at all substantive. There was a movement right after I came on board to ACB to begin to deal with uh, voter verified ballots and, and paper ballots and, and all of that, a, a bill, H.R. 811, that was sponsored by Congressman Rush Holt of, of New Jersey. This particular negotiation and bill went right down the tubes um, as Congressman Holt uh, essentially ignored the, the disability community's wishes to have some safeties put into the bill. And uh, Congressman uh, Steny Hoyer found out and uh, quickly squelched the bill moving forward. Now, this is a pretty big deal because this bill had 240 co-sponsors. And uh, when he found out that Congressman Holt was not negotiating in good faith with the disability community, it came to a grinding halt. One other question. What would you say to folks about what they need to do in order to make a difference with regard to legislation? I mean, you've talked about a lot of uh, legislative initiatives that are just about to pop. Can folks who are out there listening do anything once we identify bill numbers? Oh, absolutely. I've sent out some communications already concerning H.R. 5734, which is the hybrid vehicle bill. This isn't just about calling Washington and speaking with the legislative assistant in Washington. This is also about maintaining and enhancing the relationships that you all have with your members of Congress in their district offices and getting to know them. As I said earlier, the legislative calendar for the rest of this year is very condensed, which means that members of Congress are going to be spending more time in the district running for re-election. And so you have the opportunity to develop the relationship or to maintain or enhance the relationship in the district office to go in and talk about these issues, talk about what it means to you from your perspective as someone who's blind or visually impaired and why hybrid legislation is needed, why the coat legislation is sorely needed for people who are blind or visually impaired to be able to have the same sorts of access to their home electronics that everyone else has and access ultimately to information. All of that is effective, can be effective, and will be effective. What I need are folks on the ground to do a lot of this work to help me out because there's only one of me and there's many of you.
I will, when this draft legislation becomes actual legislation, be sending out some talking points about this bill. The goal here is to get support, and not just support, but to create a buzz, if at all possible. And the buzz only comes when there are enough members of Congress that are interested, where they're talking to one another, they're talking to committee staff and saying, we should do something about this. We should hold a hearing. We should make this an issue. I'll give you an example. I was on the phone today with a reporter from the Washington Post. She called me concerning the coat bill. She said, you know, I understand that it's uh, probably going to be introduced in the next week. I've heard this from several members' offices, and we're interested in writing a big story on this legislation and how it will impact the hearing loss community and the blindness community. So this thing is beginning to get a buzz, and it doesn't have a formal bill number yet. A lot of that has to do with you guys and the buzz that you were able to create following the legislative seminar and following the other calls to action that I've sent out over the last couple of months pertaining to this legislation and ultimately the hearing that was held on May 1st. The buzz needs to continue. It needs to get more and more co-sponsors. There needs to be a sense of urgency given to this piece of legislation, which I think that there is, as a matter of fact, you know, on the heels of the hearing that was held. But that can come only really from you. I work with the committee staff. I work with Chairman Markey's office, and they know me and they know my dedication to this, but it's the members that can really help to move issues like these and get them to the forefront of people's minds. What we've been able to see is that the issues that began as ideas that we wanted to move forward have begun to take tangible form, some in bills that are already out there, some in bills that are about to be introduced, and some in ongoing kind of legislative and judicial negotiations. But the fact is that with effort, ACB can make a difference in Washington has made a difference in Washington and does matter in terms of making change happen for people who are blind in the United States. That was Paul Edwards interviewing Eric Bridges on Tuesday Topics, a program heard on ACB Radio Mainstream each Tuesday at 0100 Universal Time. As ACB reports for July went to production on June 19th, the 21st Century Communications and Accessibility Act of 2008 was introduced into the U.S. House of Representatives and received the number H.R. 6320. Listen for more information about this important legislation on future broadcasts of ACB Reports. As we conclude ACB Reports for July, our thanks again go to Paul Edwards, Brian Charlson, and Steve Bauer for the use of material from Tuesday Topics. As a reminder of how you can participate in the Tuesday Topics broadcasts, here's a portion of the show's closing as voiced by Steve Bauer. To participate in the recording of Tuesday Topics, we invite you to join us on Tuesday evenings in the U.S. at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's Wednesday at 1 hour Universal. The program is recorded in the Our Place Politics chat room at ourplace.acbradio.org. That's ourplace.acbradio.org. All you need is a microphone that is plugged into your computer sound card. A few minutes before each program begins, those who are online will be happy to assist with audio checks and to answer questions about the chat room software. 
An announcement about the show, including information about the topic and the guest speaker, will be emailed to the ACB Radio Friends List. So we hope you will come and join us each week on Tuesday, when Tuesday Topics is being recorded. We'll look for you in the Our Place Politics chat room at ourplace.acbradio.org. Tuesday Topics is a production of ACB Radio Mainstream. Next month, it's time to get dressed for school, and Lynn Cooper will bring special information for students and their parents. Plus, the first of many reports from the 47th Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind. It's being held, as many of you hear this program, in Louisville, Kentucky. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.